This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 31, with special attention being given to the second key, which is church discipline. We'll read together the entire Lord's Day, Lord's Day 31. It's on page 546 in the Book of Praise. Here the church confesses what are the keys of the kingdom of heaven, the preaching of the holy gospel and church discipline. By these two, the kingdom of heaven is opened to believers and closed to unbelievers. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and closed by the preaching of the gospel? According to the command of Christ, the kingdom of heaven is opened when it is proclaimed and publicly testified to each and every believer that God has really forgiven all their sins for the sake of Christ's merits, as often as they by true faith accept the promise of the gospel. The kingdom of heaven is closed when it is proclaimed and testified to all unbelievers and hypocrites that the wrath of God and eternal condemnation rest on them as long as they do not repent. According to this testimony of the gospel, God will judge both in this life and in the life to come. How is the kingdom of heaven closed and opened by church discipline? According to the command of Christ, people who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life are first repeatedly admonished in a brotherly manner. If they do not give up their errors or wickedness, they are reported to the church, that is, to the elders. If they do not heed also their admonitions, they are forbidden the use of the sacraments, and they are excluded by the elders from the Christian congregation and by God himself from the kingdom of Christ. They are again received as members of Christ and of the church when they promise and show real amendment. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, discipline teaches us that disobedience hurts. There would be no need for discipline if there was nothing that caused us harm in this life. The sad fact of the matter is that ever since the fall into sin, there are people, animals, diseases, and things that can harm us. And since we ourselves are conceived and born in sin, with the inclination to rebel against the good order that God has established, we too can easily cause harm to ourselves or to others. The Ten Commandments forbid us from doing these things, while at the same time showing us the way to love God and our neighbor. When we disobey God's commandments, we experience misery. And the goal of discipline is to lead us into obedience to God's will where there is life, where there is love. The goal of discipline is not to cause harm, but to save us from the harm that is caused by sin and living in a fallen world. Since the reproof, admonitions, and punishments that accompany discipline often cause sorrow and pain at the time This is not always easy for us to see. Thankfully, God has given us clear instruction in his word, both describing the purpose and the goal of discipline as we 
as well as how God disciplines us. Now, as we look at Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 13, 5 to 17 today, we receive instruction concerning discipline in the analogy of a competition or a race that we are participating in. This analogy helps us to distinguish between tests or trials that the Lord in his wisdom sets on our path, the course, and the correction that he gives to us to keep us focused on the strategy of getting rid of sins and weaknesses that entangle us and make it more difficult to endure. Although the hand of God is behind both the challenge of the course and the correcting punishments, not every hardship is a punishment for a sin that we are committing and from which we need to repent. At the same time, both are meant to shape and to prepare us for eternal fellowship with God. God tests us with trials to purify our faith and increase our trust in Him, and He disciplines us with punishments and exhortations so that we continue to respond to His will and word in a holy and a pure manner. This afternoon I preach you the gospel of the third mark of a true church of Jesus Christ, the kingdom key of discipline under the following theme, God disciplines those whom he loves. We'll see that God's discipline is parental, painful, and productive. Well, God's people can grow weary of the race that is set before us. Life after the fall into sin is always more difficult because of the fallenness of creation. And when we grow weary, we are much more likely to sin against God who set us on this course. We tend to be less diligent in removing the sin that clings so closely to us. We feel tempted to stop faint-hearted. We make the challenges that we're facing to be worse than they are, claiming that we've just had enough long before we've needed to resist to the point of shedding our blood. We begin to question the power of Jesus Christ and his complete victory over his hostile enemies. And we're tempted to separate our lives from the founder and the perfecter of our faith who graciously set us on this course on our way to the surpassing greatness of the joy that he has obtained. As we look at Hebrews 12, verses 5 to 11, we don't get a very clear picture concerning the shape or the scope of the discipline that the author had in mind when he wrote this instruction. Whether it was the verbal exhortation the church had received, as we read in Hebrews 10, or some kind of hardship they faced as a result of their sinful choices, they were to understand that God was behind the corrective instruction they were receiving. When verse 7 states that it is for discipline that you have to endure, it's making a distinction between the discipline that God had used to correct the readers from the shame and hostility that Jesus Christ endured when he lived on this earth and when he died on the cross. Christ endured the hostility in order to take our curse and punishment upon his own innocent shoulders. While the church, while believers, 
were enduring for discipline, bringing them to holiness on the race that was set out for them. However, although we will never need to be punished like our Lord Jesus Christ was punished for our sins, God may correct and instruct us through exhortation and painful experiences in order that we might fully embrace the new life that Christ has obtained for us by his death. Our Heavenly Father has adopted us to be his children through Jesus Christ. And now he also helps us to grow in the fellowship and the love of the family of God through discipline. God sees believers in their struggle against sin as an earthly parent might see their children struggling against sins in their lives and, and keep that the sins that keep sprouting up in their lives and that make it difficult for the children to deal with the challenges that are set before them. You will notice in our text that there is an assumption that parents will discipline their children. This is partly due to the Roman context where a father had the right to decide whether his child could live or die and where the father would shape the child according to his pleasure, like you see referred to us, uh, referred to in verse 10, according to what was best to them. At the same time, teaching children to live a certain way is something that is an unavoidable part of the life of every adult who belongs to any community. Every child learns from those who are older than them, whether it is an individual or a community who is responsible for the shaping of the next generation, it is impossible to have any society without discipline. Well, the Bible teaches parents that we as Christians must discipline our children, and the Bible shows us how this is done. You can think of Proverbs 13 and 19 and 23. So the comparison to discipline in the home would have been as familiar to the reader of the letter to the Hebrews as it is to every one of us today. The ordained office bearers of the church are also commanded by Jesus Christ to discipline those, and we confess, who call themselves Christians but show themselves to be unchristian in doctrine or life. Well, the words of our text, Hebrews, helps us to understand that when we are called upon to discipline a child or to mutually discipline members of Christ's body or to admonish, punish, and excommunicate those who persist in their sins, we need to have the picture of paternal discipline in our minds, of the discipline of a father or mother toward their children. The spiritual leaders in the church have the task of administering God's discipline in a way that reflects his fatherly love and his care. And the point that Hebrews makes is that the very fact that you are seeing discipline in your life, that God is disciplining you, shows that you are God's children. No parent or office bearer has the right to discipline those who belong to other parents who are not members of the flock of God entrusted to them or who used to be 
but have now sinfully disowned their family or withdrawn from the supervision that God has ordained. However, that also means that if you are not being disciplined by God, whether through your Christian parents or through office bearers in the church, you are no longer a part of the family of God. That's why withdrawing from Christ's church from the supervision and care of the office bearers is such a reason for our intense sorrow. Anyone can see that it is much better to be loved by God the Father as part of His family and disciplined than being ignored by your Creator and left on your own to figure it out, no matter what Disney might tell you. This helps us to take the discipline God brings in a humble and a godly manner in order for it to be effective. This discipline is painful. So by quoting Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12, which was the display text this afternoon as well, and quoting it in Hebrews 12, verse 5 to 6, the author to the Hebrews helps us to think about our tendency to react very poorly to corrective punishments. The problem is that in the moment of being disciplined, it all seems very unpleasant because the Lord needs to use pain to make us join with Him in hating sin. Discipline needs to be painful because it is meant to stop us from doing sinful things that our sinful nature is actually desiring to do. You could think of that as children if your parents might be disciplining you. Would they convince you to stop a behavior if they gave you candy or chocolate every time you did something wrong? Or is it more effective if they do something that you consider painful? Discipline makes an association between the wrong thing we are doing and negative consequences. God's discipline is meant to correct us. And so he makes it more difficult to do the sinful things that we thought were a good idea and maybe even justified with Scripture. The punishment, whether it is time spent standing in a corner or the rod that Proverbs mentions or being grounded or extra chores or being deprived of a privilege that is reserved for God's children who want to walk in fellowship with Him. That discipline causes a sorrow because of the pain. And we turn to the Scriptures to learn how He wants us to respond to His discipline. You'll notice in our text in Hebrews, the Holy Spirit gives us two reminders. It tells us first not to regard lightly or not to treat the discipline of the Lord lightly. The Holy Spirit urges us not to despise discipline or ignore it or try and undermine it by pointing to the weaknesses and those whom God has sent to administer it. When people harden in their sin, they often add rebellion to the sins they are being disciplined for. We have a tendency to show contempt for those whom God has placed in authority over us, usually justifying our denial of their authority by questioning their right, their intelligence, their wisdom, their capability, their age, their understanding, 
with little regard for the word of the God who sent them. And that's when we need to remember that discipline is painful for a reason. That we are called upon to be humble, to give great weight to the discipline and chastisements of the Lord. The second exhortation in verse 6 that the Lord gives is not to be weary when we are being disciplined. It's the end of verse 5. Discipline and reproof by its nature make us aware of our weaknesses that are entangling us. Discipline calls to our attention the sins that we are committing. And as the law of God then shines on our lives, it exposes all that unholiness that we often try to suppress in our unrighteousness. While this light that exposes can be very discouraging when we see who we are, we see the struggles in our hearts and lives. It is only when we remember that God's discipline is paternal, fatherly, that is, out of love, that we are able to understand the value of the sorrow and the pain that discipline can bring to us. The passage of Hebrews reminds us that the painfulness of discipline is good and necessary for training to improvement and even healing. Here the point is that Compared to the suffering and pain that is experienced by those who are not connected and reproved, or corrected and reproved, the momentary pain of discipline at the hands of our loving Father is truly a blessing for our lives. Would you rather escape discipline now, escape someone explaining to you your sins now while there is still time to repent and return to the open arms of your heavenly Father? Or would you rather enjoy the Lord in His holiness and glory for all eternity being corrected and led by Him? When we realize, as our Hebrews also explains, that without holiness, no one will see the Lord, we learn to accept the value of the corrective chastisement of discipline. We sang that in Psalm 39, where it stands a four as well. Rather than see suffering and pain as evidence that God is not with you, we rather see it as evidence that He is with us and He loves us very much. It shows His nearness to us. By God's grace, we see that His discipline is productive. Returning to the overall competition analogy of Hebrews 12, the Holy Spirit reminds us that without pain, when you train, there is no gain. The gain of those who have been trained by the pain of discipline is, verse 11, the peaceful fruit of righteousness or a harvest of righteousness and peace. God's discipline produces righteousness in our lives Because it brings us back to his commandments, which are the manual, the manual for peaceful living with God and with our neighbor. The closer we walk to God's will, the richer our fellowship with him will be. The more joy we will find as a part of his family. 
And the purpose of his discipline is that we might enjoy that fellowship completely. We are in a competitive struggle that God in his wisdom has set before each one of us. And you can think of your lives and the challenges you're facing. You know that they're from the hand of the Lord. And as we are struggling in this race, as we struggle against those sins and those weaknesses that make it difficult for us to perform well and to God's glory, the Heavenly Father reaches down and He helps us in this struggle with discipline. When we see that God has a purpose in our lives with the plague and the persecution or whatever He sends, whether testing or punishment to teach, it always focuses our attention back to God. We lift up our eyes, our hearts, our minds to God in the hardship. We realize that there we see our Lord Jesus Christ, the author, perfecter of our faith. We see there that promise of the joy of fellowship that he is leading us to, that we might walk toward it on a straight path every day. The key thing to remember with respect to discipline is that God does it for our good. Verse 10 explains that very clearly. The writer to the Hebrews shows us that anyone who is disciplined by the sake of, by parents for the sake of their preparation, their deliverance, and or their improvement, all people disciplined by parents will, will look back to their parents with respect. We look back with respect on those who disciplined us, who helped us in our lives with their correction. And if we feel respect for earthly parents who revealed their desire for our improvement, even though it was only for a short time and often so filled with weaknesses, and it really was only a training to live in a particular culture with the same values that they held to, how much more respect should we have for God's discipline, which is leading us to eternal life, which is truly, purely good? You will notice in verse 9 that the writer to the Hebrews moves from respecting our parents to being subject to the Father of spirits, and living, subjecting ourselves to God's will. It's the highest form of respect and is really the only fitting response to the discipline of the Father of spirits who is able to make us truly live. The title, Father of spirits, is a unique title that highlights the distinction between our earthly fathers and our spiritual Father who is in heaven. When we subject our lives to our heavenly Father, we have the great benefit, as our text says, that we may share His holiness. God's discipline keeps us in the holiness that He has obtained for us by His grace through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit tells us to lift up our drooping hands, strengthen our weak knees, and make straight paths for our feet when we are being disciplined. 
And however one may interpret exactly what those, those comparisons mean, one thing is certain is that this passage is calling us to be corrected by the discipline so that we change our pattern of life when we are disciplined to bring it back in line with God's will to be a part of his family. When God makes us suffer discipline, let us lift up our chins. Let us be encouraged that God in his grace has reached down to us in our lives to discipline us. And let us move forward on the course that God has set us on. No longer paralyzed in sin like a lame person or getting worse in our lameness, but now healed, brought back, and able to walk. The four major fruits that God's discipline could produce are found in verses 12 to 17. God uses discipline, we read, so that his children strive for peace and holiness. Secondly, to, that they see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. The third, see to it that no one, that no root of bitterness springs up. And fourth, see to it that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Well, putting it all together, we see that discipline produces peace and holiness while keeping away the sins of rejecting God's grace, bitterness, immorality, and unholiness, worldliness. When we look at hardships with bitterness in our hearts, and don't forget that's the, the major exhortation in this passage of Hebrews. When we look at hardships with bitterness, that bitterness spreads to others. Discontent is like a poison that causes unrest and spreads, and our text says defiles many. Verse 17 reminds us that the complete disregard for the promises we've made to others, sexual immorality, or the promises that God has made to us, being worldly like Esau, that can lead us to the point of no return. And again, God's exhortation is correcting us in our thinking. Our biggest danger in the race that is set before us is to stop believing in Jesus Christ. Stop believing in being different from the world. And instead to just go along, to give up, to join in worldly thinking while making light of God's grace by despising His discipline. Our text is clear. Our confession as well is clear that God disciplines His children in love to open kingdom to those who are walking away to bring them back into the fold. Discipline directs your feet to God's straight paths, your minds to Jesus Christ, and your hearts to your neighbor's well-being. And so rather than becoming angry or shut, shut down or cold or weary when we are disciplined by our parents, office bearers, or other spiritual leaders, let us thank these servants of God for saving our lives from the punishment and the curse that Christ bore for all who believe in him. 
young people and children, it's a good way of thinking, adults as well, to, to thank those who discipline us, to see the picture. That's what Hebrews is calling us to see. It's, a, it's an announcement of joy for discipline that you've had to endure. That's a, that's a see, it's a good thing that you've had to endure. You can see why discipline is a mark of a true church and why our Lord Jesus called church discipline one of the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And so we praise God for instructing us in his word. And we read it every day and we allow it to correct us and to change our thinking and our behavior. We thank the Lord for correcting us with unpleasant hardships and exhorting us through the spiritual leaders that he has placed in authority over us because we see that it's for our good and for the glory of his name. May we receive his gracious discipline with joy. May we rejoice in the life that he has obtained for us in his son, Jesus Christ, that we belong to his family as children. And may we praise our Savior who employs the keys to open the door of his kingdom for everyone who repents of their sins and accepts the promise of the gospel. Amen.